Hey everyone, welcome to Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode 2022.8. As usual, I'm joined with my good friend Phil Hawthorne. Hey Phil. Hey Rohan, how's it going? Good. So, just as a reminder, this episode is sponsored by the Home Assistant Cloud by Navicasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant project and ESP Home as well. Configuration is all done in the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or anything else like YAML. All right. All right. 2022.8, Rohan. That's believe it. That? It's here. Um, that, means, that means it's August. It does, unfortunately. <laughs> um, well, where's that year gone? We keep saying that every uh, release episode, right? But, I know. Uh, it, it keeps getting away from us. Um, so huge uh, feature that I think is in 2022.8 is the new repairs that are here. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, Home Assistant have done a, uh, I guess the one issue they've got is a lot of people asking for support in Home Assistant, right? Like, oh, this isn't working. Yeah. You know, this device has stopped. Um, I've got a breaking change. You know, generally, you know, something has changed a few releases ago. No one's reading the breaking changes. Yeah. Um, or they have to listen to things like podcasts to find out what those big breaking changes are going to be. Um, And they're not, you know, all tailored to specific things. So with the repairs area in Home Assistant now, um, when you upgrade, if there is a deprecation or a breaking change that is particular to something that you've activated in your uh, configuration, uh, there will be an alert will show up in the settings area. Go in there and it will actually tell you how to fix the problem. So, for example, I've just upgraded to... 2022.8, 2022.8, and I have the Google Calendar integration enabled, which has uh, some settings in my YAML file. Straight away, Home Assistant has said, you need to remove this. We've imported the uh, settings into the user interface. You can just remove it from your YAML now. And if you don't do this, it will break as of, I think it's the September release. So Right. So that's pretty cool. The, the, so is it the same thing that used to be in the event log um, that now pretty is kind much. of populated in a dedicated area for things that are broken? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So because no one's like the event log is very like technical, I guess. Um, sure. You know, it's got like a whole bunch of debug information and warnings. Tons of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this, But this actually gives you ways to fix it. Um, so... There's a whole bunch of nice. um, uh, like different use cases for this. You know, I think, yeah. do you remember they brought out alerts.homeassistant.io, which was designed, yeah. you know, in case like a cloud provider decides to go down, um, yeah. they can actually issue, you know, okay, this is an alert for you. That now comes in um, to these areas as well. So let's say tomorrow you're running a particular version of a, a Philips Hue bulb that's got a security vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Uh, Home Assistant knows that you're using that version of the Philips Hue bulb. Um, they can put an alert out and it will then show up as a, a notification in your instance saying, hey, you need to do this to fix this sort of thing. Right, 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 right. Which is actually pretty cool. So now it's one stop rather than having to look at alerts, rather than having to look in the log, rather than having to look in a bunch of yep. places and or figure it out yourself. Um, hopefully this is now, uh, it gets everybody essentially a ton of information for not a whole lot of effort. So, um, yeah, no, it's great to see. So, and hopefully that'll reduce a whole bunch of, um, like, yeah, support requests. You know, why is this broken? Well, it's broken because of this. Now it will be just, here you go. This is how you fix this issue. Yeah. And so, so it also looks like a lot of the persistent notifications, again, they're moving to repairs. So I wonder if there's going to be some automation capability, like let's say you do want some persistent notifications if it's of whatever type of repair, 
right? So I wonder if we can actually push those back in. No, so they're trying, I think, and I asked like sort of opposite um, on the Creators Network chat that we had this week. Um, So one of the, so they're moving the persistent notifications that are, you know, that should be as an alert into the alerts, right? Um, And the Mm -hmm. alerts are designed um, that you shouldn't be, like they require action from you. Yeah. Um, but you can dismiss them like you can um, a persistent notification. They'll then come back, um, I believe, in the next major release that you upgrade to. So they will persist along, you know, every restart until you upgrade to the next major release. Okay. Um, so I asked, you know, can a user do a call, like a service call to create an alert themselves? So let's yeah. say, um, you know, an alarm panel has been triggered. You want to have a an alert in Home Assistant so that, you mm-hmm. know, little card comes up so that still should be done through the persistent notifications area okay so persistent notifications should really be moving towards uh less critical things so you know when they've discovered a new device on your network that'll be a persistent notification or anything that a user wants to do so an alarm got triggered or an invalid login attempt that'll go through um as a persistent notification that you can then still use that service call for Perfect. Okay. Okay. So there, there's, it's not being replaced. It's not being, you know, removed in any way, but it's just slight functionality change. Yeah. That's cool. All right. Yeah. That's actually a, that's actually a pretty interesting one. I like that a lot. Um, mm. All right. Moving on. Uh, native Bluetooth support. So there is a brand spanking new Bluetooth integration uh, that allows Home Assistant to see and integrate it with uh, Bluetooth devices. So again, same way that we do with Zigbee, Z-Wave, Z-Wave, Wi-Fi devices, so on and so forth. I guess you'll, your your uh, device, whatever you're using, needs to have some kind of a Bluetooth radio passed through to it or, or connected to it directly. Uh, and once you get that, then um, Home Assistant can talk about or can talk to Bluetooth, right? And then so it's, there's also going to be Bluetooth discovery. Uh, so what's cool is... For example, my flora, uh, which are the little plant sensors. Um, so today I have, I've actually got an ESP home that's, you know, uh, I've got ESP32 that's running ESP home flash to say, Hey, you know what? Look for these, my flora devices, whatever. So it sounds like I'm not going to need that anymore. And it sounds like that's right. I can just natively, natively, uh, have it going. Now my problem yep. is going to be, I don't have enough USB ports to put a radio <laughs> in, but in theory I can do that. <laughs> Or, you know, your home assistant instant, like your home assistant blue or yellow is going to be hiding in a server rack somewhere in the garage where yeah. not close enough. Um, no, this is actually cool. And it's actually a pretty, another, you know, really big change. Uh, it doesn't just affect like the Xiaomi stuff. There's a whole bunch of new integrations yeah. in this release. Um, I think there's a few broken changes that we'll get to a bit later as well. Um, but I'm just going to jump ahead to the next one because I think this is related. It's yeah. HomeKit. Bluetooth support. Yeah. Um, so there is now also support for HomeKit over Bluetooth, which is incredible. So if you've got a Bluetooth device that is HomeKit enabled, yep. uh, Home Assistant will just show the device as discovered. Amazing. Uh, which is cool. Um, so I'm guessing all those new Philips Hue bulbs that have Bluetooth um, in them that should now just pop up and say, hey, here's a Philips Hue bulb, connect to it. Um, yeah. I'm, I assume Apple's not happy with this, but fantastic, Whatever. right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not personally. I'm not a huge fan of Bluetooth. Uh, just as a whole, I'd much rather do you know Zigbee, Z Wave, mm. uh, or uh, yeah, maybe even Wi-Fi over it. Um, I just find Bluetooth 
typically unreliable. Now, I'm uh, going to show my HomeKit ignorance here, but yeah. my understanding of this is that if Home Assistant sees a Bluetooth device is available for connection with HomeKit, yeah. can't then through the HomeKit protocol, Home Assistant tell that device, hey, this is the Wi-Fi network to join or this is how you connect to HomeKit in this house. So therefore, it doesn't need to fall back to Bluetooth or have I just completely misunderstood how HomeKit actually works? I, I think I think you just invented a new technology. <laughs> right, um, okay. No, I mean, I, I, again, I, I, I'm not sure either because I don't know how HomeKit does that, that handoff. Um, but I mean, in theory, if it prefers wireless, then it'll probably just connect through wireless anyways, um, I would think. But maybe if you can send Bluetooth commands through uh, through this with HomeKit, then maybe that's something that uh, that would happen. I don't know. That, that's a great question for uh, for Rosemary, who we had last episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, be, she's probably listening to this episode right now, going like, Grr, "Like you guys yeah. just don't understand iOS, right?" Yes, that's right. That's right. So, uh, but but I mean, it, from from that perspective, I think you know, could they do that? Maybe potentially, right? But. I'm sure if the functionality is there and and our connectivity can do that, then great, right? Why wouldn't it? Yeah. So something else that is coming out in this release is what's called supported brands. So right now in Home Assistant, you might find that you have picked up a device and you're not sure whether or not it is compatible with Home Assistant. You may have heard that it is, but you can't find the integration. Um, what you can do is now you can go into the device panel or into the uh, devices and integrations area of Home Assistant and you can search for some supported brands that would then come through for another integration. So one of the, a couple of those are the Marantz and the Luxaflex brands. They actually can be supported in Home Assistant, um, but you'd need to enable another random integration for it to work, right? They talk the same language or they're just a white label of that company. Um, right. So Home Assistant are uh, bringing out these supported brands. It is going to be like a curated list of brands though. Uh, I actually asked uh, the question, you know, two-year devices have gone to so many brands around the world. Um, I think even just here in Australia, right, there's like I know of yeah. probably named seven off the top of my head that are all two-year underneath. Um, but no, there is, because there's so many two-year brands, they're not going to bring in the two-year brands um, into Home Assistant. But you can expect things like I think uh, Marantz or Luxaflex, one of them might come in through Hunter Douglas um, as the Hunter Douglas component um, in mm -hmm. Home Assistant. So things like that where they, you know, random uh geographic inconsistencies maybe uh, maybe in the uk they're under one brand in the us they're different um that's what the this is going to be addressing now got it got it that's pretty neat actually yeah um once again i guess with the repairs and you know the supported brands um this is just trying to reduce the number of questions i guess the community asks or um people come to people in the community to uh, get answers for you know how can i integrate this or well, that, yeah. So just being able to sort of help people at, you know, where at the time they're getting the problem um, is really good to see. Yeah, yeah, that is neat. All right. Uh, let's talk some new integrations. So Inkbird. Um, so Inkbird integration. So essentially it's a company that uh, makes like thermom Bluetooth thermometers, smart sensors, um, grill therm uh, thermometers, things like that. Uh, but essentially, uh, it's a Bluetooth-based uh, sensors for the most part, right? And uh, they'll actually be discovered automatically by uh, by Home Assistant too. So speaking to our previous point, so there is a new Inkbird uh, 
integration coming in. And uh, that would be pretty interesting. I feel like there's a lot of like smart thermometers coming in. Um, I don't know. I know. I know this is definitely not the first or second one that we've talked about. Like there's been a yeah. couple that we've talked about there's in been, the last there's been a few, few months. A lot of, um, uh, I don't I, know, I guess it's summertime here in North America, one, was it? So a lot of grilling. I think there was uh, one that we saw. Maybe I mentioned it to you like privately or someone on the show. We were talking about it. It's this really expensive one. Uh, it was yeah. like $1,000. It was ridiculous. Like I yeah, can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was ridiculously expensive, right? And I'm like, uh, why? Why? I don't yeah. need a thermometer to be that pricey, right? And yeah. it had like, you know, it was cloud dependent and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would, yeah, if I can get my uh, barbecue into Home Assistant, I've got like a random Weber yeah. grill thermometer that I think talks over 433 megahertz. So I could probably oh, hack it if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, but let's be honest, I'm more likely to just buy a Bluetooth one that can integrate straight with Home Assistant if I yeah. can save myself some time. Yeah. I definitely bought a thermometer like six years ago on Prime Day or something like that for like $4. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's old school. It's got a probe and it's got a, it's got a thermometer. It and, beeps uh, at you when it tells you it's done, right? Like that's, it, that's what exactly. You need. But it is cool. I've yeah. got like a poultry setting. It's got a pork setting. Whatever, yeah. depending on what I'm cooking, and yeah, it'll just yell at you. And cool, I know it's done. <laughs> so yeah. it's <laughs> little, little, little more old school. Would I love to have that in here? Sure, because then I'd love to be able to come inside and be like, you know, have my Amazon Echoes go off, being like, hey, man, exactly. You're, whatever food is done uh that'd be kind of cool but i uh i don't know I, I also refuse to spend money on that so just because i'm like oh it's so much money that I, yeah. I don't, like again if it's if it's affordable if it's like again i don't know how much you think bird ones are or anything like that but if it's uh like the one where we saw last time which was like i don't know five hundred dollars or like a thousand dollars something that i'm not i'm not spending that much on a thermometer 30 no. bucks 50 bucks sure fine yeah but then but, again if it ain't broke don't fix it right like as long as yeah. unless your meat's coming out the wrong temperature I also feel like I don't I don't barbecue enough to justify that. Same, yeah. It's I wish I did more. I just I I just don't. <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, James O'Callaghan has done something crazy. I think I saw him on Twitter. He's done like a whole new automated barbecue or something. I don't know if it's like lights itself or something, but I'm pretty sure he had some form of you know grill yeah. temperature probes in there as well. Right. So yeah, James, just out. just send me one. Yeah, thank thanks. <laughs> <laughs> just do do it for me. No, uh, uh, something else that's coming to Home Assistant is Moat. Um, mm-hmm. So I think these are also uh, Bluetooth. So S2 smart temperature and humidity sensors. So they'll get supported in Home Assistant now. Good to see. Yeah. Uh, next DNS. So it's a DNS service that protects uh, you from different security threats, ads, trackers, so on and so forth. Um, so the next DNS integration actually allows you to monitor statistics and control some configs and stuff too. So. It's nice because it's a single panel kind of UI at that mm. point, right? Where everything runs through um, through your Home Assistant dashboard at that point. I assume it's like a, a replacement for AdGuard or is of that similar ilk, you know? Yeah, yeah. So maybe cloud based. I'm guessing exactly. So so it's I mean, OpenDNS is similar to there, there's a mm. bunch, right? Where typically a lot of these. Uh, devices use DNS for, uh, or sorry, a lot of these services use DNS for resolution. So it's, for example, like any ad I'm going to, yeah. I don't know, like double click or whatever, right? So mm. those those kind of companies, it just essentially black holes the DNS for that. So yep. if you see like whatever doubleclick.net or whatever whatever their stupid URL is, then yeah. it'll just go in and say, nah, here's a nah, not for you. Blank, blank page instead or, or whatever, right? Like <laughs> I don't know what they do, but something like that. Um, Raspi, so hoping I'm pronouncing that right. The Raspi integration allows you to use your Raspi voice assistant with your home assistant installation. So they are an open source, fully offline 
set of voice assistant services um, for many human languages. I would like to know what other so no Klingon, no like <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, that's funny, uh, but cool to see that it's fully offline. Um, I might yeah. if I've got a spare Raspberry Pi around, I might have to take a look at that. Yeah, I guess it would need to integrate with your speakers and stuff around the house mm. too. So to say, hey, go. Yeah announce blah 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 or whatever i don't know maybe i'm still like gun shy like i just remember before cloud speech to text just how wrong yeah like just how wrong that can be right yeah um i'm thinking like you know windows 2000 xp ish you know like trying to dictate text into yeah 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 right (laughs) like you would say something and of course i've got an australian accent so i would sometimes have to fake an american accent to get the words that i wanted (laughs) Uh, to be correct, uh, I just feel as though these local voice assistants would be similar. Um, I think it's I think it's come a long way. I think there's different like models and stuff under under the covers. Hopefully, right, that can actually understand mm-hmm. different accents and stuff. Because obviously, even though you know everybody might be speaking one language, it might not be. I mean, in this one case, they've got many human languages, I guess. Yeah, um, but, but <laughs> assumably. You know, one language also comes with a plethora of different accents or different, you know, how you say certain words and things like yep. that, right? Also, a lot of mispronunciations, right? So, well, yeah, and even just trying to get this podcast transcripted using like an automated yeah. service, right? Like we use some like some terminology here, like Zigbee, Z-Wave, ESP Home, uh, even Home yeah. Assistant, right? Uh, the computer just doesn't know what yeah. to do with that and yeah. spits out some garbage so i don't yeah yeah if it's not I a dictionary suspect. word if it's uh if it's a brand name like again we're mm. we're, we're talking about raspi or raspi whatever yeah that's not a dictionary word right? it's a brand <laughs> name at this point right so it's it's probably going to get tra- uh transcripted really poorly yeah and same with same with uh you know how things uh come back to right it's like occasionally you'll see that in gps and stuff where it tries to pronounce like a whatever name that's not you know maybe not a common name or maybe not based on dictionary words or something like that uh or english dictionary words right specifically right so hey everyone i just wanted to take a minute to talk about the eufy video lock it's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling it's got a keyless entry so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. We have a street in Melbourne, very famous, I'm in the city called Flinders Street. Um, okay. It's got Flinders Street Station, you know, very famous uh, railway station, I believe. Um, and for quite some time, the Google... Australian accent, uh, it might have been in ways, it might have been in Google Maps, would yeah. always pronounce it as Flinders. Um, yeah. And my wife and I would always get a kick, you know, you know turn yeah, right yeah, at Flinders yeah. Street, right? Like, so I'm sure that uh, happens, you know, everywhere, right? I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so next one, we talked about a little bit, Xiaomi BLE. Um, so essentially now the BLE protocol is in there. So 
again, things like your Xiaomi Mi Flora, um, any of those Bluetooth Xiaomi devices that broadcast on Bluetooth. Um, and essentially, it'll let you track this latest sensor values and so on and so forth. So you don't need to pull it and wake it up and things like that, which does kill the battery a little bit, right? So uh, yeah, so it can do its own thing where essentially the sensor that you're running just sits there and you're not hitting it it tells you, which is great. All right, time for some breaking changes. Uh, the yeah. first one has to do with material design icons. Mm-hmm. So material design uh, icons have removed a whole bunch of uh, icons from their library, mostly around brand names. Uh, so if you're particularly relying on brand names, they've been removed. I believe Home Assistant uh, is flagging this as a breaking change, um, but they're going to they put like a... Uh, it's not going to be a breaking change for two releases. So I think as of 2022.10 right. or the next major release, um, you'll start seeing a lot of these icons going away. Um, so, yeah, just take a look at the material design icons library. Um, I think, yeah, they had a decision, you know, things like Netflix, you know, Apple, uh, Spotify, yeah. you know, they're all company logos, right? This is there might be some project. copyright reasons. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, just make sure if you are relying on that, there's probably going to be, you may you know, be able to use two versions or something. I'm sure there'll be somewhere in the community if you need to get those icons back in, there'll be a way around, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, LifeX. So each LifeX device now has its own integration entry. Um, so all the existing entries will be migrated. So it'll start, it'll automatically create new entries um, automatically. So as each uh, as each device comes in and gets discovered, so you don't need to worry too much about it. But essentially, if you're not doing anything with it, but if you are, like again, doing automations and things like that, uh, you might want to look at those entries and make sure they do correspond with what you're expecting them to. Um, also, LifeX can now be configured with manual IP addresses. Um, also, again, alongside uh, DHCP HomeKit and native discovery. So um, when the device updates its, let's say, IP address or something like that. It'll be fine, uh, but you can also manually pop it in, and then and then those will actually get updated via DHCP and HomeKit and and or whatever native discovery they use, right? So I think it's SSDP or something like that. So whatever whatever that uses, then it should find. And SwitchBot. So the Bluetooth integration must be enabled before SwitchBot can be used. So Bluetooth is automatically discovered in most cases, but can be manually added from the integrations page if it is not. So I'm guessing, yeah, as long as you've got a Bluetooth radio passed through your Docker container, or if you're using, um, you know, like a Raspberry Pi or a Home Assistant OS, you know, one of those um, dedicated hardware boxes, um, that will, uh, you know, enable Bluetooth. But yeah, I'm guessing... Uh, just with the Bluetooth changes, this release, um, yeah, you'll need to make some. Uh, you'll need to make sure that Bluetooth is enabled. There you go. All right, Rohan, um, shall we play this for a little? Yeah. All right, cloud strikes again. <laughs> um, this one is actually, I must say, I am quite shocked by this one. Um, so Hive uh, have started emailing their customers. I'm uh, just telling everyone that the, their smart home devices are going to be stopped working soon, um, yeah. and there's nothing they can do about it. So they're actually so Hive are probably best known for their smart thermostats. Um, yeah. I think they're pretty big in the UK. So as of September first, 2023, uh, the Hive leak will stop functioning. Just that's it, dead. And by August first, 2025, so three years away, 
um, all of their cameras and security system will stop functioning. So I assume that's got to also include things like door sensors and motion sensors and, and all that, right? Yeah, I would, I would think, but I don't yeah. know. Um, but the kicker here um, is that when Hive uh, decided to email all their customers, they said, hey, um, as a smart tech brand in the middle of a climate crisis, uh, we know our focus needs to change. So we've made the tough decision, I mean, it must be really tough for their financial team, right, um, to discontinue our smart security and leak detection products and develop heart, smart home tech that'll get us closer to net zero. Um, so they're creating a ton of e-waste. Like they're basically saying, yeah. here's some bricked <laughs> e-waste devices uh, that you can't use, um, throw them in the bin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, well, that's, yeah, yeah that's not... And smart smart devices, I will say, do generate because again, a lot of things run on batteries and mm, things like that. Yep. So sure, I get. But really, you're, yeah, to your point, Phil, like you're 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 bricking these devices. So I have something that effectively didn't necessarily need to be e waste or didn't need to be e waste yet. Yep. But you're forcing me, and realistically, people will say, okay, great. Well, I have a smart thermostat. I got to get rid of this, and I'll just replace it with something else, right? And so now I'm just doubling up my e waste, which is just yeah like look I, I get companies change directions i get all that stuff and and i will i will again give a shout out to hive for not being like hey everyone you have 30 days and figure it out right um we've seen you know a lot of companies are, or like insteon just not say anything just pull their shutters and like a week later we're like oh yeah sorry we died and then yeah. and then obviously insteon got uh, got bought back out by a lot of their uh by their by their user base and and so on right where now it's a it's a, it's a subscription again whatever but so again, shout out for not doing that, giving ample time for people to move off of that platform, whatever. Again, PSA, if you're looking, this is a great reason to move towards, uh, again, Zigbee, Z-Wave, um, again, maybe even Bluetooth, depending on how those devices connect um, and depending on what your, you know, how, the distances in your home and things like that. I, I, I do prefer Zigbee Z-Wave just because there are meshing too. Uh, so the more you have, the stronger it gets. But yeah, it's just, it's, I don't know. Um, I just, I, I, I think the reason is not a good reason. Right? No, not, not at all. I think this is the classic, uh, you know, people not understanding or companies not understanding, you know, how much cloud infrastructure costs. Mm-hmm. Um you know, um, especially when you need to constantly buy more hardware to just like to keep that cloud income coming in. What I really love is um, the Hive, I believe, is like uh, related somehow like in a corporate structure or, you know, part of the family of um, companies um, that has UK gas and electricity supplier British Gas. Oh, so, interesting. I had no idea. So, yeah, I read that in a Verge article about this. Um, so, you know, could be, not sure, I'm hoping their fact chatting was... <laughs> treat, treat, treat that for as accurate as the Verge may or may not be, right? So Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's interesting, right? Like, here's a, a British gas company saying, hey, we want to solve the climate issue by working all these devices, which, I don't know, just create an API, let people, you know... Yeah. Open up the technology at least with firmware updates so people yeah. can, you know, salvage some of this stuff. Otherwise it is just going to go in the bin, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, exactly. Um, if your mandate is to get you closer to net zero, fine. Whatever is here is already here. Yep. 
great. At least let people use it so they don't have to throw it out so that you're, you know, you're not creating more e-waste because people are just going to go back out and buy the new next version of it as as disgruntled as they may be about it they yep. people are just going to go out and buy it right yep. uh, or at least most maybe not everybody but most people right um yeah yeah um shout out to sebastian on twitter for pinging me on that one um yeah it's unfortunately yeah it is sad that it, it strikes again unfortunately yeah, as we always say this might be the last one there will be another company that's probably you know heaps it we just yeah. don't get to see or hear about as well that would do it. Um, well, we always we always find these things come in batches. So you know, next episode, look for another <laughs> one. Like, like, it. It, it always goes up and down, right? We'll see like one, and then we'll put an episode out, and literally the next day we'll see another one. <laughs> the day the episode yep. releases, or a couple of days after we're done recording, we'll see. Oh, these people also did. Uh, this company also is killing something or whatever that's cloud based, and 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 so on, right? So. Uh, part of me also thinks that is new, but... by design um in terms you think it's of you know, maybe co- well maybe not seasonal but maybe you know like companies are just like looking at each other like across the room and they're like who's going to blink first right and then as soon as someone blinks they're like, okay now quick announce um <laughs> now maybe. so that we don't get the full force of you know the media storm that's coming this way yeah um, I, I don't know i mean i i think it'll take i think it takes time to make a decision to say hey we want to we want to kill a product like this, right? Especially if that's part of your core business. Because again, obviously that will affect the bottom line. It will affect revenues mm. and so forth. Um, so I, I, I don't know, but it, it it is interesting. I'd love to see how the how or why that is. Just again, just out of straight interest. But yeah, who knows? Should we have some happier news? Yeah, let's, let's do some a little bit happier news. So Home Assistant Yellow, uh, those should start shipping soon, hopefully. Uh, so the first batch of 2046 units are on their way to the backers right now. Um, the PoE units are a little bit uh, behind, so they're being delayed again. So potentially October, maybe a little bit later. Um, it's, but it's interesting that whole. It's like so the problem with the PoE uh, adapters sounds like it's to do with emissions. Um, so trying to power a device through um, Ethernet can be a little bit tricky. Um, I saw, uh, I think it was either the Home Assistant Twitter or maybe it was Zach or someone, um, one of the devs at Home Assistant posted, uh, Home Assistant Yellow actually in this room getting tested, um, yeah. you know, for all the emissions. And, yeah, it just unfortunately didn't pass the, the test. So it's back to the drawing board yeah. on that, um, which is cool because I, I always – I do like um, the idea of, you know, this Home Assistant Yellow being a completely just one cord, like the Ethernet cord, plugging into it um, yeah. and powering it, right? Um, yeah. So it is delayed again. I believe if you do want to switch over to like a standard power Home Assistant Yellow units, they've got another batch of um, those coming in soon um, that you can potentially switch over to if you don't want to wait for a PoE version. Yeah, that's pretty... Uh... That's pretty cool. Again, I'm I'm a big fan of PoE. Again, just keep in mind if you do that when you reboot your switch or something like that or whatever PoE uh, mm, interesting piece you have there that will get restarted, right? Because unless you have uh, some level of industrial one where it keeps it up or something like that. But uh, yeah, from a PoE perspective, it's I prefer it because realistically, if my switch is going down, everything else is going down too, anyways. So it's. Yeah. My access points are PoE and so on. So it's, I have no, uh, you know, nothing is going to connect to Home Assistant anyways. So <laughs> I'm not uh, I'm not super afraid about it. Just the only thing that will go down at that point is my Zigbee stuff, but yep. whatever. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so, Rahan, I do want to talk about something that I discovered, I think, yeah. 
like a couple of hours just before uh, we started this recording. So okay. still very fresh. Um, so I think I think in the last episode I talked about, you know, Zigbee power monitors, um, you know, wanting more things that I can monitor electricity around, don't, trying to stick away from Wi-Fi or whatever. Um, yeah. But anyway, there is a custom component uh, called PowerCalc that I found. It's available in Hacks um, if you want to uh, look it up. I'll leave links in the show notes. But what I really like about this is it allows you to calculate uh devices and their energy usage if they don't have native energy monitoring support. So a good use case for this is Philips Hue light bulbs. Um, So I have a few of these around the house and the PowerCalc has a library of known devices Mm -hmm. um, and it will know, okay, when the light is on this brightness, at this color, uh, you're using approximately this amount of energy to power that bulb. PowerCalc will then expose that to Home Assistant as an energy usage. Um, so then you can add it to things like your energy dashboard. Uh, straight out of the box. Uh, really, really cool. Um, there's also the ability to define custom rules. So if you know uh, this device on your in your smart home uses this amount of energy when it's in you know this mode or, or whatever, you can then put those numbers in as a custom definition and PowerCalc can then, you know, tell Home Assistant, okay, while uh, the dishwasher is in this state, it is using this amount of power, for example. Right, right. So, so for example, that means, because I just quickly looked it up, Googled it, whatever, mm. and it looks like it's primarily supported devices are smart bulbs. Yes. Right? So, again, like, when I mean that, it's, I mean, like, right out of the box, you know, yep. it'll find it and it'll say, hey, this is what it's doing. Yep. So I've got, like myself, Hue, oh, sorry, I've got a Philips Hue light strip. I've got a Philips Hue Bloom, a couple of Philips Hue uh, A16 bulbs, all straight away detected um, yeah. through this, and they've added in their entities. I found I do have some Nanoleaf canvas um, yeah. uh, lights. You can probably see them in the camera behind me if you're on YouTube. Um, yeah. They were not detected, which I understand, you know, it depends on the configuration, how many panels you've got. I totally can understand that, um, yeah. but yeah, there's a. It does. Yeah, it looks like they're just starting with light bulbs at the moment. So, does it bring it into the actual entity itself? Not so it like creates, it creates a, a helper, new, uh, or not? Not potentially. A helper, I guess. It's it creates a new sensor entity. Um, so, okay. for example, I have um, uh, the Office Bloom. Um, yeah. So that's you know that now gets Office Bloom underscore power, Office Bloom okay. underscore energy okay. as a new sensor. Um, which I can then add to the Home Assistant Energy Dashboard. Right, right. Because I was going to see in uh, essentially under the device if it adds it as like a diagnostic or, or something like that, right? Like, a, like No, no. Not, there. So it's yeah. kind of still part of my like bulb one, bulb two kind of thing. So it's like power four, bulb one rather than a separate. It's not the biggest deal, but it's kind of cool. But if it did. But it sounds like there is a way to like, again, so for myself where I don't use smart bulbs, I use smart switches, mm. right? Like I use my Lutron switches and stuff. But again, I know that the wall switch in the room I'm in turns on and off my office light bulb, right? And I know, okay, yep. those are approximately, you know, I don't actually know what I put in there, but like whatever watt bulbs and stuff like that. So can I, sounds like I can input that and it'll make a, it'll say, hey, you're using about blah. Yep, I believe so. Cool, okay. Um, and I actually have just looked, I by the looks of it, it does add them against the device entity. Um, so I cool. can now okay. see, if I go in and look at the Office Bloom, for example, in my home assistant, I can see, hey, uh, here is that, uh, it's using, you know, 0.006 kilowatt 
hours, 0.29 watts. Right. Um, which I assume has come from PowerCal because that wasn't as part, that doesn't come through natively from uh, Zigbee. So, yeah, it's there. Nice. So, there you go. That's uh, that's pretty handy then. So, you can at least start pinpointing down stuff, right? So, yeah, exactly. Um, I had a rather shockingly high electricity bill. So, energy is going to be <laughs> my focus <laughs> for a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to be able to identify as much as I can. One thing I'd, I'd love to be able to see, and maybe I just haven't digged for, far enough, is it doesn't seem as though there's a sensor in Home Assistant. So uh, Home Assistant knows how much my electricity has cost through the day when I look through the energy dashboard because I've got yeah. um, my component that tells me what the price of electricity is and I have um, the you know how much my house is using as energy being tracked yeah. from the, the meter. Um, so Home Assistant can say, all right, for this day, you've used you know $20 of electricity, for example, right? Yeah. But for whatever reason, I can't find the underlying sensor that Home Assistant is using to generate that number. So I, I would love to be able to just, you know, on a Lovelace dashboard um, or even in an automation, you know, if I've used more than $10 of electricity for the day, maybe disable um, my dishwasher so that I can't, you know, run anything expensive for the rest of the day. Right, right, right. Um, so where is that number coming from? Well, yeah, so there the is, dollar I figure. found... Yeah, so the dollar, so I found an entity called uh, sensor like cost. It seems to be an incrementing number per twenty four hours. Okay. The problem I found is I restarted Home Assistant in the middle of the day, and, um, and it went, went went to zero. So if I'm Maybe restarting Home Assistant during the day, um, it won't give me that number. But it doesn't affect like the like because I can still see you know in my energy dashboard for today like the number that I've used is greater than you know two cents. Yeah. So um, Home Assistant's you know got enough smarts to track that. I just can't see an entity or a way for me to grab that number out of the energy dashboard, slap it in somewhere in Lovelace, or you know put it into like an automation um, or add as another sensor that I can then you know yeah create rules around hey. Spent this amount of electricity today. We're going to turn the air conditioner off a bit earlier today. Yeah, send you like send that. you a notification or something saying, "Hey, yeah. man, this is why we're doing this." Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So be adaptive, sort of thing. Um, so yeah, hopefully, I'm sure, it's, I'm sure it's in there. There's got to be some way to get the data. Maybe there's an API call you can just make to Home Assistant itself to get it. Potentially, because um, the front end is obviously getting it from Home Assistant back end somehow. Yeah. Uh, but I'm and I'm sure someone will, smarter than me will message me somehow and then say. Yeah, you would get it's right there in front of you. Just it might just be a calculated number too. It might just be this times that minus this plus yeah, whatever, right? Exactly right. Um, but, yeah, so that that's my you know eventual goal just to try and you know be able to see hey, um, yeah. using this amount of electricity, it's time to calm it down. Yeah, and then and well and and or it'll you know, start trying to allocate right. Like for example, like AC for example, like you know, we're going to turn it off right now. Yep. At nighttime, you know, we have cheaper power, so uh, run it through there, right? So, like, for, for, for us, for example, I have staggered power rates, so there's three power rates during the day. Um, just, like, right. essentially, like, peak off peak night kind of thing, right? Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, like, so based on that, you can kind of say, if you hit a potential target spend, then it's like, okay, like, it, it's almost like buying services from AWS, right? You can say, okay, well, once I hit this limit of a upper dollar limit, then yeah, know, exactly. kill these instances or something like that, yep. right? It's the same kind of deal where it's like, hey, you know, alert me or maybe even just send a notification because maybe I do really badly need to clean my dishes or something like that. But send me a notification, be like, hey, if you can do it at night, do it at night. It'll save yep. you 
three dollars or five dollars yeah. or what, what, whatever right so yeah that's the eventual goal right like to get to that level yeah that's cool well and i see a lot of use for especially for folks with like solar and stuff like that right where mm. you are trying to optimize how and where you use your power right so yep. cool well i think that is the episode um i think so fantastic well thanks everyone for joining us again and phil thank you as usual Thank you. See everyone for 2022.9. Cheers. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.